Today's reading is Ephesians 4, 4 through 16. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. I'm just going to begin our time together quickly with a word of prayer. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. That we don't have to search around aimlessly for your will, but you've revealed it so evidently in the person and work of Jesus Christ and gave it to us in your written scriptures. God, we pray that you would guide our time together that the word that was read would sync with the word that is preached. That which is full of error, that which is foolhardy, may we forget. And may you guard me from sharing. And that which is for godliness and for faith, may it penetrate the depths of our hearts and enlighten every square inch of our minds. Guide us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning I want to propose a controversial idea. It's an idea that for some of you, it'll get your blood boiling with frustration. For others of you, it'll get your heart racing with agreement, okay? So the idea I'd like to propose this morning is that there will never be too many leaders. There will never be too many leaders. You'll probably never find that in the KC Star as the headline. Some of you, quite frankly, don't buy that idea. But we here at Christ Community are passionate and believe that God's word highlights and affirms that there will never be too many leaders. And here's partly why we think this is true. Think with with me about this. What makes the difference between a good organization and a not so good organization? What makes the difference between a just or unjust program? A good church or a great church? A thriving community versus a struggling community? The answer? Leaders. Simply put, leaders make 
the difference. Leaders make the difference. Now, I'm sure each one of us here, if we're honest with ourselves, can't deny that our world, our communities, our companies, and our churches need leaders and people who step up and make a difference in the world, the right kind of difference. Well, this past few weeks, we've been kind of having this family chat, right? And we've been talking about who we believe God has designed us to be and where we believe God is guiding us, where he's moving us and calling us. And if you're new, if this is your first time with us this morning or you're visiting from out of town, you actually couldn't have picked a better Sunday to be with us. We believe every Sunday is a good Sunday to be new at Christ Community. Um, And so you're going to get to find a little bit on how we believe that God's word has informed us as a church. Well, in these past three weeks, we've highlighted three things, three things that we're passionate about, that drive us, that set us apart. And if you got one of those note sheets um, when you came in, we made sure everybody knows what we're passionate about. It's right there on the front. We believe that God has called us to be about multiplying churches who then, as they flourish, multiply disciples. And as disciples grow in Christ, they multiply leaders. And then as those leaders continue to develop, they go out and multiply churches. It's a very cyclical calling, and we believe that's core to who we are as Christ community. And today we're going to talk about multiplying leaders, if you hadn't guessed already. Um, But let's face it, okay, leadership, it's probably the one that raises the most questions in any sort of church context, right? As a church, it makes sense that we multiply churches. As a church, it makes sense that we multiply disciples. But leaders? Question mark? (laughs) Leaders? For many, when we hear leadership talk, instantly we have this pushback. It feels or it sounds secular, you know, instead of spiritual. And we enter a world where we feel like we're talking about the bottom line as the end-all, be-all, or some economy of efficiency. The world of CEOs and execs, not pastors, When we hear the topic of leadership, sometimes we can even feel like that's an avenue of talking about manipulation, the abuse of power, or maybe even micromanaging control. Well, amidst these fears, we still, as we see in God's Word, we still are passionate about multiplying leaders because we see that it's on God's heart as revealed in God's Word and therefore is critical to God's work in flourishing His church. Okay, so this is hard work. Yeah, good work. We definitely think so. Um, And since the early days of Christ's community, actually, we've been intentional in multiplying leaders, but we, we want to continue to think and pray and pursue more and more avenues on how to grow in this because, big idea, there will never be too many leaders. But this raises some questions, and that's where we're gonna dive this time this morning. Raises three questions, okay? Who has what it takes to be a leader? If there will never be too many leaders, who has what it takes to be a leader? Secondly, how do leaders make lasting change? And then thirdly, why should we care about change at all? Why should we care about making a difference at all? And to answer that, we're going to look at Ephesians, this little letter written by one of the earliest leaders in the church, the Apostle Paul. And we've been in this letter actually the past few weeks. And And now we're going to see that the Apostle Paul, he was very passionate about multiplying churches. He multiplied up to about 20 in his 20 years of travels, missionary travels. But he was also passionate about cultivating communities where disciples grew. And then as we're going to see this morning, he was also passionate about the hard work of multiplying leaders in the church. 
Okay, so if you haven't already, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. If you're using one of our community Bibles, you can find that passage on page number 634. Well, it's here when we get to Ephesians 4 that we ask the question, who has what it takes to be a leader, right? There's all this leadership talk that goes around in our nation, but, but who has what it takes to be a leader, someone who makes a difference, the right kind of difference? And when we get to Ephesians 4, starting in verse 4, this is what Paul has to say. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This very, very robust picture. But grace was given to each one of us. According to the measure of Christ's gift, therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In the context of our passage, we ask the question, who, who has what it takes to be a leader? And Paul, he wants us to know that you do. Every single person sitting in here who's a follower of Jesus has what it takes, whether you're a teacher, a student, a customer service rep, a manager, a stay-at-home mom, a pastor, a photographer, an artist. You have what it takes to be a leader, whether you own your own business, you work in a cubicle, or you're along the factory line. You have the components of being a leader. You see, when Jesus Christ saves us, he doesn't just rescue us from our sin. This is critical. We need to grasp that. But he also saves us to a calling of contribution. This is why Paul says, each one of us. Not some of you, each one of us. You have been given this great grace gift according to the measure of Christ's gift given to you. Now, for some of you, you may be thinking, okay, Gabe. That doesn't really sound like leadership. Where are we going here? Um, and that's mainly because we don't see leadership the way Paul sees leadership. And as a matter of fact, probably not the way Jesus does either. You see, how Paul and Jesus see leadership is leadership's much more about influence than it is control. Leadership is much more about influence than it is control. It's much more about a calling rather than a title. And actually, I had a conversation with a very antagonistic gentleman uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, he actually came up to me after our worship gathering, and he said, I have been hurt by the church. And I wasn't surprised to hear that. I hear that on a regular basis, actually. Um, but what did surprise me is what he kept saying. He said, I said, well, why? What happened? What, what, what about your story? Why are you so broken over the church? And why do you feel like the church broke you? And he said, well, nobody gave me the chance to lead. I have all these great ideas. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I have all these great ideas, but nobody put me in a position of leadership to carry them out. And my heart broke for this man, not because he didn't get the chance to lead, but because he totally missed the boat on leadership. You see, it's not about control and a title. It's about much greater than that. And God has given each one of us, every single person in here who's a follower of Jesus, has the influence and a calling to contribute to the body of Christ. When we miss the boat on leadership, we usually use the metaphor of going up the leadership ladder, right? I've got to move up the ladder. If I'm not moving, I better get going. Otherwise, I'm going to get trampled on. But what does Paul use here in our passage? When he's in this topic of each person being gifted by Christ, when Christ descends in his victory of resurrection and he gives gifts to men, what metaphor does he use? He uses the body, interestingly enough. He uses the body, the interworkings of a heart, fingers, joints, 
the mind, the lungs. And what he's trying to say is leadership isn't a matter of moving up, but it's living into where God has placed you. It's not a matter of moving up. It's living in to where God has placed you, owning your place of influence in the body of Christ. So think of your big toe. When's the last time you thought of your big toe? Um, Maybe when you put on a pair of flip-flops and you realized you needed to clip your toenails or something. (laughs) Been there. Um, Your big toe, right? Your big toe, it it actually works behind the scenes of a sock and shoe every day. Outside of the day we wear flip-flops and it's nice outside. And it's so critical. Its influence is strategic for balance and for having any sort of normal walking gait, right? Um, Your big toe, it influences in silence. And when you are actually aware of its influence, you wish you weren't. (laughs) For example, when you stub it against the post on your bed and unhelpful words fly out of some of your mouths, um, you know, what happens? The whole nervous system begins to focus on the influence of that one big toe and you wished you weren't focusing on it then. But church family, we've all been called and have influence, even if it's behind the scenes, big toe kind of influence in the body of Christ. So who has what it takes to be a leader? God made sure that every single one of his do. And it's kind of a dangerous idea, right? I was thinking about this. Where's the checks and bounds? Um, Just because we have power and influence, even if it's influence over one other person over a cup of coffee, that doesn't mean it's going to be positive influence. Just because you're not the preacher, just because you're not the person who does public prayers in front of people, doesn't mean that your words don't lead. They still lead others. For example, when we begin to complain to others, we find this across the pages of Scripture, but when we begin to complain to others, about how things are done within your church or within your company or within your family, what we're really doing is asking people to join us in the complaining movement. This isn't just, hey, I just need to get this out there. You're saying, hey, this is terrible, right? Um, Come on, join the bitterness and the resistance, right? This is terrible. Don't you agree with me? I can't believe we're doing this. And this influence, it leads to division, which is exactly what the Apostle Paul is pushing against. Each one of us has influence in the body of Christ. And rather than pursuing unity with the person that we disagree with and asking them, help me understand where you're coming from. Why are we doing this? Why are you doing this? Why are you saying this? So that I can be with you. Sometimes we start our own complaining movement and how we can be against each other. Each one of us has influence. It's dangerous and beautiful all at the same time. And this is precisely why here, in, in Paul wants to make this clear, this is precisely why we can't just embrace the gift that we've been given in Christ, but we also must let Christ direct it. We must also let Christ direct it. In, in this body metaphor, there are many parts of the body that in, have great influence of the, of the body as a whole, but there's only one head. There's only one head in our passage that directs them all, right? You see, leadership at its core is followership. Leadership at its core is followership. We can, we can lead the body well if we let Jesus lead over the body completely. Remember, there's one Lord we see in our passage. So none of us has the right to lord our influence over the other. When the body doesn't follow the lead of the brain, we find a whole host in the natural order of complexities, right? And paralysis. You have 
this, there's this miscommunication or lack of communication between the body and the brain. And so although the body is alive, it's motionless. It's missionless. It can't move. But if you go one step further, any particular part of the body, if it's disconnected from the body as a whole or from the brain, not only is it motionless, it's lifeless. So when we see this call to influence... Leadership isn't moving up, but it's living into where God's placed you for the flourishing of the body under the direction of the head, Jesus Christ. And that leads us to this question we all need to be asking ourselves then. Where are you leading? Where are you leading? Remember, I'm not saying what's your title, what do you control, but where are you leading? How are you using the gift that Jesus has given to you to influence the community of Jesus Christ. There will never be too many leaders. And that's true for downtown. You know, a few years back, the theologian, Os Guinness, he came and spoke at Christ's community. And I'll remember this quote. He said, The problem with Christians in America is not that they aren't where they should be. Rather, they aren't what they should be where they are. They aren't what they should be where they are. And as we move to two services on October 5th, we may be here, but are we being leaders and cultivating and caring for the family of Jesus Christ? Now, some of you have great eyes to contribute to the security team. Some of you have great smiles and you'll be able to contribute to the greeter team. Some of you have great hands and, and your persona to care for children in our children's ministries. Some of you you know, have big toe kind of influence that you love. You don't want to be in the front of anyone. Um, so maybe it's going to be with the audiovisual team behind the scenes or a house manager to make sure all the other parts and pieces work together. For some of you, you're dramatic in the best sense, you know, um, in a good way. You know, there's a bad dramatic and there's a really beautiful dramatic. You're gifted in front of people. And so maybe you'll be reading scripture You'll be praying. I mean, these are very practical avenues in leading the body of Christ. And each one of us, no one's excluded, each one of us has been called and gifted to influence the body of Christ for its flourishing and the glory of Jesus Christ. So where are you leading? And if you ask any one of the pastors, we would love to help you answer that question. Um, we are, we, that's, that's some of the best questions we can get. Where can I lead? <laughs> ah, I got a great idea. Um, so we'd love to help you out in that regard. So where are you leading? But after finding out that each one of us is gifted um, and called for influence in the body of Christ, any thoughtful leader will ask this next question. How do we, how do we make a lasting difference? How do we make a lasting difference? You know, something that outlives us. It's not about you or me, but something that outlives us for furthering the purposes of Christ, something that impacts people generations later. How can we make lasting difference and the right kind of difference? And that's where we're going to look at Paul again here in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And he, Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers in order to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So how do we make a lasting difference? By multiplying more leaders. Um, empowering and equipping those around you to grow into the leaders they've been called to be. You know, Jesus did give some particular positional leadership within the church, but why? 
So that they would be the only leaders? No. So that they would help equip each and every one of the members of the body of Christ to be the leaders they were designed to be, to influence the body of Christ towards flourishing. This word equip that we find here in Ephesians 4, it has the idea of setting the bone, interestingly enough, in this whole metaphor of the body. The idea of setting the bone, you know, when something is broken or misaligned, it's straightening straightening it back out so that the body can flourish through teaching, through training, through correction, for the flourishing of the body. And when Jesus died and he rose again, it's over his victory of sin and death that he now gives certain kinds of leaders to help equip all the leaders in the body of Christ to be who they were called to be. Notice, and this is important, notice that we're all called to the work of the ministry. Certain pastoral teachers are called to equip us all to be engaged, but all of us are engaged in the work of the ministry. So as we think about who God has called Christ's community to be, there's this critical question where do we feel like God has called us to be in making a lasting difference? What, what do we, where do we think that God has called us to make a lasting difference? And first, um, very practically, it's by multiplying young pastoral leaders. And, and, and I want to say this, thank you. It's your generosity and your regular tithes and offerings that have made this possible to engage in our pastoral fellowship program where young pastors who just graduate seminary They come out with their Masters of Divinity, which always sounds really funny to me. I mean, it sounds very hocus-pocus. It's not. It's really great. I got one. It's phenomenal. But it just sounds always really funny to me. But the Masters of Divinity, you come out, and then you engage in two years of intentional mentorship as an associate pastor. You know, the best metaphor we can think of to help describe this is that of a medical residency. Um, That's kind of the model we've adopted here at Christ Community. So when, when you go into the hospital, and let's say you've broken your arm, and you go see a doctor, um, there's a good chance you might actually have a resident as your doctor. They're receiving pay, um, and they have full responsibility over you. Um, They are fully doctors, but still have a learning cap on as they finish out their training. And, And the great joy is we get to have Pastor Mike Roop, who's already a great pastor, um, be here with us downtown as our downtown fellow. Uh, But he's simultaneously a part of a learning community of other fellows from our various campuses, engaged in intentional and strategic mentoring opportunities with our executive staff and our campus pastor staff. You know, I came to Christ Community as a fellow not too long ago, and uh, actually, we now have grads. This is fun to share. It's, It's fun to think about how this is impacting our nation. But we now have grads of the program located in nine different states across the country and in seven different churches. We have 19 current um, and present, or current and past fellows, um, and we have two more coming in June of 2015. I mean, look, look at the people and leaders that have come through the fellowship. I mean, we're so thankful. We get, we get these top-notch leaders to come and invest in our church for two years, and we tell them we're doing it for them when really they're doing it for us. It's pretty great. So don't tell Mike that. Um, No, but really, it has been an absolute joy to have these leaders come through and enrich our congregation at all of our campuses, and then to go and influence our world and our nation for the glory of Jesus Christ um, through their time here. But that's not all. So that's something we're doing. I want to tell you about something we're going to get to do. That's kind of like the series, these three weeks, or kind of these big unveils each week. Um, So... 
Beginning next fall, 2015, this is, this is really exciting for me uh, to share, but we're going to be in one of the few extension sites for Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Um, so we're going to be offering theological education from our Masters of Divinity up in Chicago. So we're going to be flying down professors from Chicago to come here to KC to provide, you can take classes or you can audit them at a fraction of the cost um, and grow in your theological training from people who are way, way smarter than many people I know. <laughs> uh, they're just very brilliant folks. Um, and, and I'm going to be taking some of these classes too. Um, so I'm excited for that. And so that's going to start next fall. And it's a huge honor to be able to say Trinity believes that we would be a great space to host this extension site. But we're not going to stop there either. Um, you know, it's a common misconception that when we think about building up the body of Christ, we merely think of within the four walls. And that's important. We're never going to downplay that. But also alongside of that, what is also very important is building up leaders who now go out and influence the marketplace. If you didn't know this about us, we believe that all work matters. It's a really big thing here at Christ Community. It's a part of our heartbeat. And, and, and it's in this vein that multiplying leaders in the church and through the church to impact the marketplace is going to take a very structural reality, okay? So, and maybe some of you have heard of this, um, but now we get to put a little more flesh to the bones. Um, we're going to be starting what's called our Marketplace Fellows starting fall of 2015. And after a longtime member of Christ Community, Kevin Rockman, who was the CFO of Garmin, stepped down to actually take lead for developing this new pathway. Um, and his wife, Carol, is also jumping in, who's a phenomenal leader, and helping us make a lasting difference with college graduates for a year-long training. And we have a short video we're going to watch together that gives them, gives us the background on their calling as, as well as kind of helping us unpack what the Marketplace Fellowship is going to look like. So let's watch together. So not long after I, I finished school, um, Carol and I were married. We were living in a, a different city uh, from where we grew up in, in down south. Um, I had been, been working for a while, just early in my career and felt like there was a gap in connecting my faith with my, the workplace. Uh, I had really no mentors. I had, was searching for someone that was in my field of expertise in the finance area, looking for a, a mentor and was unable to find one. We had contemplated uh, going into the mission field. We had contemplated, do we just stay in the States? And as we looked, we just found there wasn't very many people out there to really help us, to give us any kind of direction. and. Um, as a result, Kevin just made an appointment with one of the pastors in our church there to ask him, you know, what, what should we do? How should we do this? And um, that's where we got our counsel because we just we couldn't find anybody else. I was continuing in my career in the finance area. I was having opportunities to grow and, and build the skill set. But I still had this, this, this question is, okay, am I doing everything I can for, the, for using my faith in the marketplace? And could I someday... Uh, help others who had struggled kind of like I had early early on in my career and so continued to work and have been just very blessed to have built some strong relationships in the business community in Kansas City and again had this question about is there something next at this point was um, introduced to the concept of the fellows initiative so Kevin came home from a weekend elder retreat and he was really excited about the direction the church was thinking about going and developing a 
fellows program for people in the marketplace and the workforce. And I was not so excited. I really actually thought he was a little crazy. And I'm thinking, you, you want to be involved in this? And how much do you want to be involved in this? And so I came into the picture a little bit dragging my feet. And, um, but I agreed to go last fall to a conference in Virginia to meet some of the program directors and the students. And I was so blown away by um, the caliber of student. Um, by the kids that um, were really seeking um, to find where God had called them. And it was just so exciting and thrilling to be a part of that and to see these kids so excited about life and about faith and um, starting well. Over the next year, we'll be uh, creating a nine-month program that starts in August of 2015. And it will, cons it will be bringing in new college grads, just having come out of, out of school, and we want to uh, bring them uh, into this program where they can do four primary things. Number one, live. Living um, together here in Kansas City in various homes, um, working in internships around the area. The fellows can come in for a three, day, uh, three days a week working in the marketplace in their various callings. And then the, uh, the study, we're planning to uh, partner with Trinity Evangelical Divinity School to provide master's level education, so they will get college credit for being a part of this program. And then finally, the serving element, where you can serve, the fellows will serve both in the community and also within the body of Christ community. As we were contemplating the fellows program, we really felt like this may be the missing piece that we felt uh, was needed in our life years ago when we were starting out right after college. So that's that was what was really intriguing and continues to be extremely intriguing in terms of how can we help others come through this journey and start well? How can we help them lay a firm foundation for the future? So this really is a team effort. We need your help. We believe in multiplying leaders in our community for the church for tomorrow, and we are committed to doing that. And we feel like the Fellows Program is a great opportunity and platform to do that. So we're excited about the program. We really hope you come alongside and uh, partner with us together in this area. pretty exciting. Um, and I want you to know, we believe there will never be too many leaders. Um, and we see that both in the pastoral field and across all vocations. And so we're very excited about this next step. So here's what I, I want to challenge each and every one of us to be thinking through and to be praying through. As these pastoral or these marketplace fellows engage with us across our campuses, be grabbing lunch with them, okay? Be praying with them, uh, be serving with them, networking with them. And if you know some students who would love to do something like this over nine months, uh, talk with me, talk with one of the pastors. Or if you yourself are in college and this intrigues you, um, I'd love to talk with you about it as well. Um, it's something we're really excited about exploring and equipping folks with a, a theological framework no matter what vocation God has called them to. We all have the opportunity, each one of us in here, to influence these young leaders' perspective of what the church can be when it's centered on the gospel and how to now go out and influence our community and world for Jesus Christ. But really, there's one last question, okay? And I think it kind of trumps them all because if we don't care, we're not going to do anything. So, so why should we care about making a difference anyway? Who cares about making a difference? Here's why. 
Here's why. In making a difference, we ourselves become different. In making a difference, we ourselves become different. Um, When you steward that leadership gift that Jesus has given you, it forms you. It makes you into a stronger toe, a healthier heart, you know, sharper eyes, where God has gifted you. And another way Paul talks about that is it matures you, right? Look with me at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. And he's talking about building up the body of Christ until, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together from every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So why do we care? Because when we embrace our calling, it actually matures us. And Paul, Paul has this idea of what maturity looks like, and it's at least these three things. First, embracing your gift of leadership, it grows you into a grounded person. If, you've, if, if any of you have been in a positional leadership role or engaging in a form of leadership, then you know that it forces you to ask a lot of questions, questions you maybe wouldn't have asked otherwise. Because now, all of a sudden, as you're multiplying leaders, you think, oh, where does that say that in Scripture? Oh, wait, how does this actually change the way I do this? Because I'm going to have to explain to them or help them and help navigate a difficult situation. It forces us to go deeper into the truths of Jesus Christ in a way we never would if we weren't in leadership. And so I ask you this morning, how are you growing? What questions are you asking? Paul tells us that you won't. If you step and embrace your calling, you won't be tossed around like a boat on the sea or you won't act like naive children who are still learning and growing up, but rather you'll stand strong because you know the God in Christ who holds you up. But not only a mature person is a grounded person, secondly, a mature person who's embraced their gifting through Jesus is a courageous person. A courageous person. We speak the truth and love. We say the hard things, the things that sting. You know, I'm, I'm one of those folks. Uh, pastor Kevin, one of our se- one of senior pastors, tells me sometimes I will put so much cotton around a rock that no one knows they got hit. <laughs> um, but this is an area in which the Spirit guides me to say the hard things that sting. Why? Because we care for the body. Like a doctor, when they see cancer or they see gangrene, they have, to, they have to perform surgery. They have to dig it out for the good of the body. Sometimes the most drastic of measures are the only way for survival and flourishing. And when we are now growing into the calling to which Christ has called us and we're a grounded person, we now have the courage to say the hard things that are for the good of those that are around us. So thirdly, Not only are we a grounded person and a courageous person, but we become a sacrificial person. Every time scripture talks about love, it's talking about Christ-like love. Love that sacrifices our wants, our desires, even our lives for the good of those in the body. This is the way that Jesus has modeled before us and provided in his way to the cross We build others up in love. When every part is working properly, the body itself actually builds itself up in love. It's a beautiful picture 
when people are working and embracing the gift that God has given them in the body of Christ and influencing them to grow in Jesus. So in making a difference, we ourselves become a different kind of leader, making the right kind of difference. Grounded, courageous, sacrificial. I mean, don't you want to be that kind of person? I know I do. I, I know I do. And so, so what are we going to do to help us become this kind of leader? Well, from the beginning of Christ's community, we felt God's call to equip leaders. And the primary avenue in which we've done that, and we felt called to do that, is through Razor's Leadership Pathway. Some of you went through that this past year. Razor's Leadership Pathway meets for a total of 10 weeks. And it's starting on Wednesday, September 17th. So not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday from 6.30 to 8.15 p.m. And it'll go consecutive Wednesdays until November 19th. So the week before Thanksgiving. So a good solid 10 weeks. And we're going to meet here at the downtown campus. We also provide childcare for free. Um, you know, that's a big deal. When you're trying to find out, you know, where that margin in the rest of your schedule with Sunday mornings and community groups, how's this going to work? Well, we try to at least make that extra amenity available to help care for your children so you can focus and sharpen one another, hence razors, right? You know, oh yeah, okay. Um, And our time together, it's full of teaching, it's full of discussion as we wrestle through and grow together in our leadership. If you'd like to join us this fall, we would love it. We'd love to have you with us, Um, so don't hesitate to talk with me. Why would we love to have you join us, class? Because... There will never be too many leaders. Oh, praise Jesus. Way to go. So the question I ask of us this morning, the question I ask of us is, do you want this church to be a good church or a great church? Do you want this this community to survive or thrive? It hinges on your leadership. It hinges on your leadership. Christ working through you, you embracing the gift that Christ has given you to influence this body, to engage in the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. You know, this is the way of Jesus. For he himself says in Mark, the Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve, and has come to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why we can follow him to the ends of the world, even when it's dangerous, even when it's risky. Will we follow him? Will we follow him? Will you help us flourish when we go to two services by finding an avenue in which you can lead? Will you lead the way in praying for the fellows of today and the fellows of tomorrow? And will you join us in sharpening your leadership by joining us for Razor's Leadership Pathway? We need you. There will never be too many leaders. Will you help us make a difference, the right kind of difference? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you because you came to us first. Um, You sent your son Jesus to live the life we couldn't live, die the death we deserve to die, and rose again. And through your resurrection power, you sent your Holy Spirit to gift each one of your children with unique influence for the flourishing of the body of Christ, the church. May we love what you love, and you love your bride, the church. May we think through ways that we are growing and being grounded people, courageous people and sacrificial. As Paul writes in Ephesians 3, verse 21, glory to him in the church and in Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen.